You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. 40 years ago, this is Emeritus Rex with Rabbi Ruben Yeshua Pupko. Rabbi Pupko, let's get straight to it. Let's hit the ground running. What's going on? Eretz Yisrael protests last week. So what happened is, listen, we have a, there's a new government. uh, There's a huge protest. 80,000 people showed up in Tel Aviv Saturday night and a few thousand other in Jerusalem outside the residence of the president of the state of Israel to protest the new government. But I think specifically they were mostly focused on this, on the proposed uh, change in the role of the Supreme Court. Now, we've talked about this before, so I don't want to bore your listeners by rehashing everything that we've already said or possibly that they've heard elsewhere. But um, the Supreme Court in Israel is is an aggressive Supreme Court. There's no question. It's a Supreme Court which has weighed in on some of the basic issues facing Israel. It has overturned legislation. It has canceled appointments. It acts in a way that um, few Supreme Courts in the Western world, if any, uh, conduct themselves. Um, so what, one of the uh, headline changes they want to make is the ability of the legislature, the Knesset, to overrule a ruling of the Supreme Court. Now, in the uh, in the U.S., that would be impossible. Um, and, and the reason is because in the U.S. we have a much more um, delineated constitution where the division between the various branches of government is understood. There's, right. really, there's no constitution in Israel, right. and therefore there's a certain core principles about what a law should be. Right. So some of them are ambiguous. Um, so, But again, for instance, I live in Canada. In Canada, the parliament does have the ability to overrule the Supreme Court. Uh, it's called a notwithstanding clause. In Britain, it's, it's not uncommon for the uh, parliament to overrule the Supreme Court. So that doesn't make you – the fact that Israel doesn't have a constitution – weakens in some ways the argument uh that the um uh, that the supreme court rulings uh should not be overridden I, those who are against the changes kind of weakens them because what are you basing it on i mean what's the right. people basing itself on yeah. on the other hand the absence of a constitution can also uh pre, you know be used as fodder in the counter argument in that there aren't defined principles so it is left to the supreme court and, and and who else should do it? Uh, you want some issues in a democracy to do beyond politics, like human rights, right? You give the, the you know the Senate and the, yeah. and the House cannot right. pass discriminatory legislation because of a Constitution and a Bill of Rights. So right. you want some things to be on to be beyond the reach of voting. You know, legal thinkers, especially in the time of Supreme Court Justice Aaron Barak, uh, you know, wrote you know, very thoughtful pieces that the Supreme Court in Israel was overstepping its bounds uh, to, to reject appointments. I mean, to to overturn legislation based on very ambiguous ideas that you refer to, like reasonableness and things like that. It, 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 it gets a little flimsy. But the other on the other hand, the part one of the proposed changes is that the Knesset can override to the Supreme Court with a bare majority of 61. And and that maybe isn't uh, isn't a sufficient safeguard. Um, so this is fraud. But again, I think the more important issue, I mean, from my perspective at least, is not the change that the Knesset can overrule the Supreme Court. The other change is how judges are appointed. 
Israel has a, has a system which is, doesn't exist anywhere else, which, you know, again, I'm going to do it in a shorthand way, and, it, and people who want to read about this more should do so, but basically judges appoint their own successors, which means once you have an ideological uh, leading of a court, that self-perpetuates as as the, as the judges appoint their own their own successors mm-hmm. uh, in Canada, the U.S., right, and elsewhere in democracies, politicians appoint judges. Right, and, 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 process is a vote, but it's in other words, those who are answerable to the electorate are the ones who appoint judges, and yeah. in Israel, those who are answerable to the electorate do not appoint the judges. So that that's a key issue. Now, but again, I think. What's going on here in Israel is not just the Supreme Court. It has to do with the ideological leanings on issues of gay rights, transgender right. Yes, I, I, I agree. And I think the um, the use of this issue, which rings many bells across uh, the, the democratic spectrum, is a way to basically push against the Israeli society took place with the Gaza withdrawal, where until then the students of Rabbi Cook had faith in the secular Israeli to at least uh, maintain the integrity of the land of Israel. And that whole theology of Rabbi Cook, that even, you know, that the Jewish people are inherently holy, and even if they aren't religious, you know, there's a, they're, they're motivated by a lofty impulses, and they, you know, we can, and we can partner with them. Once land was actually surrendered, many of the religious Zionist camp, and again, people have to understand the anti-gay move is not a Haredi move. This is a religious Zionist move. Um, once that happened, you know, they, they had to, you know, it was confounding to their theology, their founding theology. And people like Rabbi Tao, you know, who need to be read to understand people like Ben Gvir and Maoz and, and Smotrich, you know, he writes things like, yes, the Jewish people continue to be holy. But what is Gaza? Gaza represents foreign influence, the Europeans and America's pressuring. Anything bad that happens in Israel is due to foreign influence. By the way, let me piggyback on that for a second uh, and get us back to the the Moitzei Shabbos Mava Malka uh, protest. Uh, Netanyahu claimed that this was a lot of foreign money, that this great organization uh, that was, was, uh, was really just being propped up by agitators from outside of Eretz Yisrael. Listen, I don't believe that Bibi believes that. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And uh, uh, in other words, yeah, sure. Of course, there's outside uh, support. Uh, Likud is outside support. Bibi's been funded by outside benefactors. Outside support in Israel is Duragur. Everybody, you know, every political campaign used to raise money outside of Israel, although there are limitations now. But um, But, but, but I guess my question, my question is, in other words, if he's trying to claim that Israelis are not sincerely upset and it's only outside influence, absolutely that's incorrect. Israelis are are upset by this, and so you, yeah, so go you, ahead. You, so you think the people that join in this protest really represent a wide spectrum of Israeli society, and there's a huge amount of uh, of dissatisfaction uh, that caused them to give up their Saturday night movies to go out and 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 be part of this protest. Absolutely, I think that listen. Listen, I'd be as Goyal, right? How do Jews that are very different one from another, how do they live together in relative harmony in the state of Israel? And the way to do that is to follow the democratic process, to have 
not necessarily tolerant for other people's views, but accepting the reality. The reality is that it's a divided country on some core issues of Jewish identity and on what Israel should look like. And the only way to do that is to is to be satisfied with less than your aspirations, both on the left and the right, right? And what that means is grudgingly accepting the reality of the diverse nature of the state of Israel. And for the left to understand that, you know, for, for, for many Israelis, Israel is a religious, uh, uh, fulfillment of a religious dream and, and a place, an arena where religious life can flourish. The, 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 the religious community has to understand that the left is not motivated by an anti-religiosity. They're motivated by a desire uh, to live, you know, in you know, their own way with their own ideas um, and to be given, you know, the latitude to, to make their own choices. And no one, not the religious community or the non-religious community, benefit from any kind of coercion. Uh, and it's a live and let live. Uh, the the, the uh, Haaretz's bombshell uh, news this morning was the fact that uh, Esther Hayut and uh, representing the Supreme Court, I think it was an 11 to 1 vote, right. uh, the, said that it is illegal from their perspective to allow dairy uh, to have a health. Listen, he's uh, twice uh, condemned. And, and uh, how, whatever sort of ministry he has, uh, the health ministry. Listen, he's a twice convicted felon. Okay, he sat in prison twice. Places that would be politically untenable to put this guy's name forward as as a minister. Uh, I don't know how many convicts have sat in every single democracy. Yeah, so, how, so how do you read that? I mean, Shas now says we're going to pull out of the coalition. We have four hundred thousand votes. Uh, that's uh, that is a large amount of Israelis. Why do they care so much about Ari Dari? I mean, I know he was close to Chacham Avadia. Uh, clearly, Listen, it's very possible that you can. Well, why is it that send the next man up? Okay, you know, okay, Drew Bledsoe can't play. Put in Tom Brady. Why can't you get in? You know, I'm sorry for that because I know Tom Brady hurts you a lot. But why can't they just put in the next guy up from Derry? Why is Derry so important? I, I, I think the uh, <clears throat> the analogy to Brady is perfect because both of them are cheaters, Derry and Brady. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, okay. What is this? Yeah, but, here, but, but in all seriousness, yeah. So Derry is a brilliant politician, uh, and he's a brilliant man, um, and he has, a, you know, a, a stronghold on his own party and his own and over his followers. There's no question. I don't know enough about, and I haven't read the decision about what law they claim is being violated here. But this could be an example of the Supreme Court overreach, where they get involved in government appointments. Have you ever heard of the American Supreme Court disqualifying a cabinet member or a cabinet appointee? No, you never. The country started. Uh, they have to try to figure out, do we have a constitution? What is our? What are the laws that our country is built on? Uh, we know that it's connected in in some ways to Talmudic law. Some ways it's connected to rabbinic law. Some ways it's connected to Torah law. Common law, yeah. Right. But but it's it's been a hodgepodge of ideas. Um, now, n- n- even though the Constitution is not wholly of the United States, uh, there are constitutional scholars who are, have been able to develop what is considered the process of the American legal system, even taking it back to Britain or wherever it was that it was based on. I think th- there's so much rancor and difficulty in trying to create the Israeli 
constitution. Rav Herzog tried to do it. He there, there have been attempts before. There were. Right. Listen, labor had a, you know, dominated Israeli politics for the first 30 years of the state. They didn't manage to pull it off. So, so, do you agree with me, though, that I think that's where a lot of this... 100%. And, and, and let me give you another example of overreach of the Israeli secular Supreme Court uh, that I'm so upset about because it took away the power of Dayonim in the in the Rabbanut to deal with many, many cases of Chayshin Mishpat that they felt was out of their bounds. Right. They basically ruled, uh, and, and it, was, it, 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 it was a slap down uh, to the rabbinic world. So, and it, and it robbed me as a person who likes to read about these cases uh, of, of, of these rulings. They stopped in the 90s. All of a sudden, uh, the Bote Dinim were limited. They were shackled about what they could do, what they couldn't do. Okay, but, but, but let, me, let, me, let me pose a, 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 a contrasting view. What would be so terrible if the rabbis in Israel had the exact same degree of power as the rabbis in the United States of America? In other words, their Bote Din would rule when the parties in front of them signed a binding arbitration agreement. What would be so terrible? In, in matters of marriage and divorce, they can certainly write Gittin, but leave, the, leave alimony and child support to the civil courts. What terrible calamity would result from that? And what would be so terrible, you know, if, if in fact there was no official chief rabbinate, if there weren't officially government, you know, sanctioned and, 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 and funded rabbinical courts? What would be so terrible? In fact, in, I believe strongly that would result in Israel becoming a much more religious country. It would, because in fact, what would happen is people would be free to choose. Now, we have allowed religion to be a political football, and that sullies religion. And the more distant religion is from secular authority, the more it flourishes, like in the United States, in contrast to countries in Europe. Yeah. That's the secular country uh, that has been so wonderful to us, whether it's Canada or the United States, it makes sense that they should have their system of laws. But we realize that the Torah uh, gives us directives to bring our cases in front of Jewish judges who are going to base this on Jewish law. When you have uh, secular courts in Israel who are Jewish, um, the people that are on the fence, are, are there's no impetus at all to take the their disputes and to take their issues to anything except the secular courts. We all know that Ben-Gurion granted <clears throat> the rabbinic authorities control over Gitan and Kedushin because that, that was sort of the central lifeblood. But I believe, Ralph, that the the option of saying, "Look, I can, I have a a problem with my neighbor. I have a problem with the guy with the who's the upstairs fellow who I think over who pushed the boundary uh, of the apartment uh, into mine. I'd like to be able to take him to. And you'd be a, able, and if you live in Matasdorf and you live in Bidvagan, then be, you go to a. I know you go to secular. You go to a private arbitrator. You go right. to a private arbitrator. Yeah." There's some. It smells funny that I shouldn't have an official government option. Well, I would go for. I mean, I, I would bolster your argument by saying that not only have they stripped the rabbinic courts of, of those kinds of responsibilities, but 
they've weighed in on gear on conversion. Yeah, okay, one hundred percent. But, but they weighed in on right, which was was for sure out of which was for sure out of their uh, purview, and we know was pushed by other elements. But no, but again, when you when you have a law called the law of return, which says Jews can whatever uh, get citizenship upon arrival in Israel, you have to define those terms. So whenever you connect. Religion with secular authorities, you are now subjecting the holiest things in Judaism to a secular arena, and that's not right. I, I agree. So let's say you would have, like you've mentioned often on this program, there's so many Jews in the middle on the fence, they're not radical. So here they could have, imagine, they could either go to, they have two options in a court. They could either go to the vaguely defined, we're going to make it up on the fly rules of the secular Haitian Mishpat, or we call it, the secular civil court, or they could go to the rabbinic civil court and be in line. And the rabbinic civil court, or the rabbinic civil court is based on the principles of halacha. Right. And, and, and it was, what, what it, why is it better when it's sanctioned by the government? Because we hope you get the best people, there's money. Let me say it even better. There's a reason for a smart guy to go into that because he's going to have a job. Whereas right. whereas our friend Nachum Greenhut and others who act as Dayanim uh, in private ways, they, there is no money there. And therefore you don't get the best people. So once the government is already uh, right. pushing with their taxes... And, and as I said, I, I I I bemoan this because I don't because we can't even get records of these beautiful psukim, which is let me say it even better a way for halacha to embrace the modern world totally and completely in a synthesis, and that's why I, that that's the beauty of the rabbanut psukim, which have been eliminated because of the high court. There's no question, both from a religious perspective and a legal perspective. There's no question they've uh, they've ruled against the Haredi exemptions in the army. They, they they've and again today an appointment issue. There is overreach, but the question is, by what margin should the Knesset be able to overrule? Who appoints the judges? And on both those issues, uh, you know there is there is there is vigorous debate. Sixty-one margin seems a little thin. Appointments the way it is now seems a little off in a, in a, in a democracy. It should be elected officials who make appointments to the Supreme Court with vetting and and, and, and everything else. And, um, and and so that has to change. But I think, again, the overriding issue, to get back to what I wanted to talk about that you didn't want to talk about, which is that this is about the education system as well. It's about the health system. It's about the pride parade. And and again, getting back to you know when you interrupted me so rudely, what Rabbi Tal talks about is that and this is a theological standpoint. What's driving Smotrich to Ben Gavir in Maoz is theology. And the theology is that Jews are still holy, just like Rabbi Cook said. And whenever Israel makes a mistake, like Gaza, is due to outside influence. And they see gay rights as the spearhead, as the emblem of Western influence. And, you know, if it was all about religion, they would be anti-lobster as much as they were anti-gay. But it's not, because for them, the gay issue is is the is again uh, an issue that was they believe artificially imported to the sacred land of israel by western influence where gay rights and transgender rights are the you know such an important you know central issue on the on, on the liberal agenda and they say see this you know pushing back on gay rights as pushing back on 
non-Jewish influence you're saying. And I think there is a, some soul searching that needs to go on, I think, throughout <laughs> the world to see that the emergence of gay rights and issues isn't just something that, as you say, was imported, but it seems to have struck a nerve everywhere and is therefore in sort of indigenous, maybe to Israeli society as well. What do you make of the fact, let's end with this, what do you make of the fact of you know Jackie Rosen, who I wasn't so familiar with, but I see that she is the senator from Nevada, uh, who is part of a trip now to Israel. Everybody seems right. to be going to Israel now. It seems like, I guess, the, the airline fares are cheap enough uh, for everybody to to get in a plane and, and, and hang out there for a couple of weeks. So Jackie Rosen and uh, is the uh, one of the first, I think the first uh, Jewish female senator outside of California or New York. Um, and she refuses to see uh, ben Gvir or Smotrich. She says, I don't want to see them. I, I, I'll I meet with other people. I don't want to see with them. Uh, how There's no question that to most American Jews, people like Smotrich or Ben Gavir are beyond the pale. There's no question. So the mainstream American in the mainstream American Jewish community is terrified about what this new government means for uh, many issues on the agenda. Number one, keeping your kids pro-Israel. When they see Israel represented by people depicted as an as a Jewish Ayatollah, right? That doesn't help us in our crusade to keep Jewish kids within the tent. Uh, it, it certainly doesn't help us when, when for decades we've been selling Israel to the Western world as a liberal democracy. This stuff doesn't help. But again, Israel is not a PR project for American Jews. Israel is not, you know, uh, it, 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 Israeli policy is not should not be determined by North American Jews. It should be determined by Israelis. But the reality is that for many American Jews who want to love Israel and want to support Israel and want to advocate for Israel, this government complicates their life. There's no question. But the idea, uh, Rabbi, of I'm not going to even see you. I don't want that person within my Dalit Amis. I think in the old days... But again, you know, it... In the uh, old days, you, you know... Um, you know, the problem with the right is, the problem with the right, and when I when, it, when you say this to somebody on the right, and I consider myself on the right, when you consider when you say this to somebody on the right, what they say is, oh, we've lost the left anyway, who cares, right? Liberal Jews have already left them. It's not true. It happens not to be true. Americans, American Goyim want to support Israel. They do, overwhelmingly. And we're giving them reasons to walk away or giving them reasons to feel that Israel's been stigmatized. But you wouldn't, she, Jackie Rosen wouldn't be able to get away with that if this was a delegation to Saudi Arabia, if it was a delegation to the People's Republic of China. Again, you, you're not happy. This guy was elected. I, I, I can't argue that point. You're right. right. The, point, right. But, but, the, the, the idea that I want to make a, a public statement. Look, you are you are sent as you are a an elected official of this government. You're there to again. You're there to uh, be a delegate to show a connection to this country. All right, so you don't have to hug the guy, but uh, you know he can't be in the room. I know. I I, I can't disagree with you. Right, right. I I I think this is a, a way of virtue signaling, grandstanding, and yes. the fact and the fact that it's a Jewish woman from right. Nevada. No, I, 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 but again. She, in her world, these guys are beyond the pale, and she's responding to what she thinks her supporters would want her to do. But you're absolutely right. Israel is treated uh, in, in, by American Jews in a way which is often disrespectful. We shall see you, my friends. Take care. See you next week. Be well, Ralph. Bye-bye.
Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 